Kobe Bryant. And we are here with Jared Hoying, current Hanwha Eagle from the KBO, former Texas Ranger. Jared, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. It gives me, uh, gives me something to do in Korea right now, just kind of sitting in my apartment taking it easy. So it works out pretty good. Yeah, and I guess I should have said tonight because you are in Korea. So thank you for spending your late night with us. Um, how's your quarantine going? Uh, where are you right now? Are you... Uh, are you usually where you are during the season? Because the season's starting May 5th. Uh, how are you spending the time, just staying in shape? Yeah, so so actually, our, when we got to uh, Korea here, I got here about a month ago, um, we immediately had to do a two-week quarantine. Um, so I've been practicing with the team now for, I guess, about two weeks. Um, but boy, that quarantine was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Just literally being told you have to sit on your butt and do nothing, and you can't leave the apartment, um, can't go outside, you know, you just can't do anything. You got to have somebody deliver food uh, or groceries to you. Um, so, yeah, that was that was quite hard. So just in-home working out, not even, like, going out and throwing a baseball? No, nah, couldn't throw or nothing. I'd, I'd sneak out at night, in the middle of the night sometimes. i get a little stir-crazy just to, just to yeah. get some fresh air. But, um, no, I just did a lot of kind of some prison workouts, sit-ups, push-ups. Uh, had some resistance bands, a couple dumbbells, um, some workout videos online, but just kind of had to make stuff up as you go. And I know you're a little bit of a hunting enthusiast. Uh, have you obviously you haven't been doing that these days? But uh, do you get to do that a lot in Korea? No, no, nothing like that. Um, I went fishing one time here. Uh, they fish a lot here, but obviously no hunting like anything like that. But uh, nope, nope, don't get to do as much as I like. But that's all right. It's part of it. Yeah, part of it. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about the beginning of your baseball career. So you were drafted in the 10th round, of the 2010 MLB draft. So what was it like just leading up to getting drafted? Did you kind of know around where you would go? Um, and what was that feeling like when you finally got called up? Oh man, boy, that was, Ooh, that's a long, long time ago now, but, uh, something I'll never forget. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, I grew up in a town with only 2000 people. Um, so a real small town in Ohio. And, uh, you know, baseball is big, sports are big, but, you know, getting to the next levels, you know, it's kind of a dream for everybody, um, but you don't really think about it. And then I got to college at Toledo, had three good years there. Um, after my sophomore year, kind of had a chance, uh, I had a feeling I'd get a chance to play at the next level. Um, and then I had a really good summer when I played in the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, Woodbat League, had a real good summer there, um, had a good junior year. And then just kind of knew I was – my agent told me somewhere top 10 round, 8 to 12 rounds, something like that. And uh, first person to ever get drafted out of my hometown. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a day I'll never forget. Speaking of your hometown, when you uh, played in Cleveland, there, was, there were a lot of people there from Ohio there to support you. Um, were there people who flew over – or not flew over – or came over to the game that you knew? Or it was, was it just people who – uh, had heard that you were from the area? No, there was a ton of people from my hometown of Fort Laramie. Um, I think someone said there's about 300 people that drove up. That's a good um, portion of the town. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, no, there's quite a few people there, and it's about three-and-a-half-hour drive from home. And, 
they all stuck around for BP. And after the game was over, um, I told my mom to kind of tell everybody to come to left field, sit in the left left field uh, bleachers, kind of down the third baseline. And I went out there and took pictures, just kind of said hi to everybody, um, shook everybody's hand. Um, just meant a lot to me to have that much support. Um, you know, something I'll never forget and something they'll never forget either. And uh, you had a long career in the minors before you were called up in 2016. So was there anything about the grind, uh, the six-year, seven-year grind, that surprised you being in the minor leagues uh, or anything about the call-up itself that surprised you uh, about that whole journey in general? Oh, boy, it was a longer journey than you anticipate. Uh, you know, everybody has the – you know, everybody hopes they get to the big leagues. Everybody knows and thinks they're going to get to the big leagues. Um, some guys – a lot of guys, it doesn't work out. But you always know you're going to get there eventually. That's kind of your – obviously your motivation. Um, in 2014, I was going to get called up. had a really good year in AAA. And kind of a funny story now, I got called – guys were getting called uh, September call-ups. And – one by one, guys were getting called in the office, coming back out of the office with smiles. Well, it was my turn to go in the office, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go, getting a September call-up, super excited. Uh, I go into the office to find out that I'm not getting called up. So they, that was quite the emotional roller coaster there. Um, and so then did, 15, they, did they call you in just to tell you you're not getting called up? Yep, t called me in to tell me I'm not getting called up. That's because brutal. It was brutal. I wish they never would have just called me in. Um, but I understand they, they – now I understand the business side of it. Um, at the time, I was pissed. But they had, you know, 50 guys on the 40-man roster. They had so many guys on the 60-day DL. And they didn't know what to do with me because they didn't want to risk losing me. So they just didn't call me up because they didn't have to. And that's the business side of sports sometimes. And that's the way it went. And – one of the things that I that are unique to you is that batting stance. Now I've I've been imitating batting stances for years. I'm never going to be a pro, so the, the the minimum I can do is just imitate pros and try to think that I'm a pro. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Uh, and the first batting stance that I was sort of like this this is this is how I feel comfortable was yours because I just I just kind of stand there. I rock into the pitch. What was the process of the batting stands? Did it just come to you and you stuck with it, or did it change over the years? Oh, it, it changed. I think every year I had a, almost had a different stance. Um, you kind of just gradually um, evolve things. And I was always so stiff. I was always, you know, I was never loose, never had a rhythm. Um, I was always just real stiff at the plate. And I had one coach tell me that, asked me if I ever hit a slow-pitch softball. I said, yeah, I hit a bunch of them, you know, played a little bit in high school and this and that. and dad played a bunch and he's okay just think of it as slow pitch softball it's okay and I kind of just moved my hips a little bit started moving around a little bit and uh so that's kind of how I got into that and treated it and even today now if I try to think slow pitch softball and that I guess that's my mechanism to kind of slow the game down a little bit and uh so you know it's it's not as wide as it used to be now but uh it still has some tendencies of you know just Imagine hitting a slow pitch softball, and that's kind of what I tell myself. Yeah, it's funny you say slow pitch softball because uh, a few years ago, some people asked some baseball people that uh, if you had to have a batting stance just made for slow pitch softball, who would it be? And everybody was saying, saying things like Evan Gaddis uh, or uh, Gary Sheffield, and I'm here saying Jared Hoying because, like, <laughs> that that's my stance for slow pitch softball. I like that, so thought I'd ask. Yeah, uh, oh, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> 
So uh, now that you're in Korea, uh, do you still follow the big, league, big leagues closely? Are you still in contact with uh, any of your former teammates, either in the minors or the majors? A little bit. Still follow the Rangers. Um, still got some guys that uh, I played with. Um, you know, Gallo, uh, Willie Calhoun. Um, yeah, still Elvis Andrews, he's still there. Uh, Chu's still there. Uh, so there's still a few guys hanging around. But most of the guys I came up with in the minor leagues are all uh, retired now. So, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm still playing. I'm over here. And I don't want to say you get kind of forgotten about, but uh, people kind of forget about you over here. Um, but I still follow from afar, follow the guys I kind of came up playing with a little bit. And Shinsu Chu recently donated $1,000 to every uh, Rangers minor leaguer, so it's good that he stuck around the Rangers organization for a bit. Uh, yeah, Chu, Chu's an unbelievable person. That, you know, I saw that, and it didn't surprise me one bit. Um, he's just such a good teammate and a good person. I remember a few times he took me out to dinner, and he just, you know, no questions asked, just pay for it. That's and, awesome. And uh, just a great guy. Now, speaking of the major leagues, uh, sitting from over there, what are your distant thoughts um, from a player standpoint, because you've been in the big leagues, about the new proposals of MLB starting up? And you're playing in a league that is starting up. So MLB is proposing a bunch of things to attempt to start the season early. Um, no fans at games, maybe putting all the games in Arizona, changing up divisions. So what are your initial thoughts of all these changes? And if you were in the big leagues right now, do you like these changes and are you hoping that the season starts early if you're in the big leagues or are you hoping that all the safety measures are taken first and just slow everything down and start as late as possible? Biggest thing difference between here and there is, uh, you know, Korea is the size of Indiana. So you can kind of keep your teams in a bubble a little bit. You know, we're playing some exhibition games right now and we'll leave um, in the morning, go to the away stadium and then we'll play the game, then we'll drive back that same day. So you can kind of control your movements a little bit better. Um, obviously, in the States, you know, you got to be flying all over the place. And that's why they want to have, uh, you know, teams in or kind of your bubble almost in Arizona and maybe even Florida and Texas just to try to eliminate the travel and the exposure to, uh, you know, I should say the general public. Um, you know, it, it's, it's so hard to think about this coronavirus stuff. It's, it's just – it's – just unprecedented. And I know if I was in the big leagues or if I was a fringe guy right now, I'd want to be playing as many games as possible and getting it started because, you know, if you're a multi, got a big league contract for 10 years or eight years and you're making hundreds of millions of dollars, okay, it's not a big deal. But if you're that fringe guy that's bouncing from AAA to the big leagues or maybe has a year of service time like that, well, you're counting on that money. You know, it's not like you're an A-ball where you, you don't know any better. You might be living at home yet. You know, guys are counting on their AAA contracts of paying them 20000 a month, maybe 30000 a month. You know, they got kids to feed. They got mortgages. And, you know, if you got one year in the big leagues and all of a sudden these paychecks aren't coming, boy, it, that, it can make you sweat a little bit. And that's, that's real-life problems there. It, you know, you got a mortgage. You got kids to feed. You got car payments. You name it. Um, so I'd, it's, I'd say 50-50. Half the guys are probably like, okay, it's not a big deal. The other half are probably sweating a little bit. And for sure, I've seen athletes and their families even split on Twitter about this. Some people are saying, so suddenly all the players are immune, the coaches are immune, you can't do this to them. And then others are saying, we need to get uh, the games going. We need the paychecks coming in. And also, some people are saying that if the big leagues start, maybe that sets a precedent for 
the NBA possibly to resume or the NFL starting on time. How real do you think that is? Do you think that the rest of the country is going to start following the footsteps of Major League Baseball if they open up early? I really do. Someone's got to make the first jump. Um, you know, it's it just, you know, this, this whole coronavirus thing, yes, you want to listen to the doctors and you have to listen to the doctors and what they say because they know it's best. You know, we're just ball players and sports writers and, you know, we do what we do. But there's going to be a point where somebody's got to take a leap of faith and get something started and kind of get the ball rolling. And, um, you know, hopefully Major League Baseball is because you got to, you just, there's so much unknowns that you can't be sheltered all your life either. You got to just eventually get to a point where you say, okay, the numbers look fine. The models look fine. Let's go for it. And if things get out of hand, you, then you automatically shut it down again. Makes a lot of sense. And are there things that you think Major League Baseball, um, us here can do maybe similar to what they're doing in China and Korea to get things going early? Or do you think it's just not a fair comparison to say, oh, just because they're starting early, we should be able to start early? Yeah, I don't think it's a fair comparison because the numbers um, are still quite a bit in back home in the States. You know, Korea, we're talking about 10 cases, five to 10 new cases a day over here. So they're, they're pretty much over it. And a lot of that had to do with uh, – Asian countries being prepared for something like this. You know, they went through the what was it, SARS and MERS and the bird flu and all that. So they've kind of done this before, where in the United States, I feel like they never had this situation happen, you know, as far as a kind of an outbreak like this. So uh, it just, it's just kind of just completely different animal compared to here, compared to the United States. For sure. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the fun stuff, the baseball. So you're two years deep into playing in the KBO. Um, and just want to know your initial impressions of how the game has been different um, in Korea than in the, the minors or the majors. And from our perspective, a lot of people just say they have fun differently in, uh, in China or Korea. And that's kind of vague. So from the player perspective, what are some of the differences you've seen either on the field or off the field or with the fans uh, maybe that are unique to you, maybe that surprised you? Anything that's positive, anything that's negative? Oh, over here, the fans are absolutely nuts. It is, it is so awesome playing in a, in a baseball game over here because the fans are cheering the whole time. It could be 10 to nothing in the 10th inning or in the ninth inning or something like that, and all of a sudden you get a base hit, you'll have half the stadium cheering. Nobody leaves early. You know, it could be a base hit in the United States, and you might get a couple claps or – you know, everybody just kind of looks around, okay, another base hit. We're here, they got cheerleaders, you know, they got a cheer section, um, people dancing all over the place. Imagine a, uh, imagine a soccer crowd jammed into a baseball stadium. Um, that's, the, that's the type of excitement that comes from these, these fans over here. And to be honest with you, if, it's, if you're talking pure baseball standpoint and fun in a stadium, I would rather play in front of a Korean crowd than I would a major league crowd. I mean, that's how intense it is over here. Yeah, and Korea, they're known for their bat flips. They're known for their celebrations. I kind of need that energy sitting in quarantine right now, and I'm sure you could use that as well. So I'm happy that the season is starting for you guys. And I want to use this time to talk a little bit about uh, the KBO itself. So there used to be both a home run derby and a bun derby. Is that still going on? Yeah, yeah. They, they uh, Every year they kind of uh, make up a new little – gimmick game or whatever they always have the home run derby uh, I think last year they had a bunting derby um, 
one year they had a perfect pitch where they put up about a dozen bats and uh, had guys throw from about, you know, 60, 30 feet away or whatever and try to knock as many bats down as you could. Um, last year at the, whole, at the uh, All-Star game, we had a relay race between mascots, fans, and players. That's um, awesome. It was, it was awesome. Just Everybody just into it, having a good time. Um, I thought it was a little cheesy at first. Then I got into it, and I had to climb over this big inflatable, um, you know, whatever bounce house thing. And just to see the smiles on the kids' face, and it, it was just a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, are there things in Korea that you think that the United States should maybe adapt, like the way they play the game or just the way uh, the league is structured? I know you just said that it's much more entertaining there. Now, I don't know if you watch broadcasts of KBO games back when you're at home, but I saw something on Twitter, which was a broadcast – from a spring training game where you hit two triples. And that's the most energy I've seen from a broadcast since the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, the broad, I've seen some replays and the broadcasters get into it. Um, yeah, I remember that two years ago when I first came here, I had a real bad spring training. So everybody just automatically assumed I sucked. Um, being a foreign guy, you're supposed to hit home runs and just come in and start hitting 400 right off day one. Um, so we have, we're in Okinawa, Japan. I had a bad spring training, kind of get my feet wet. And we got back to Korea for some exhibition games. And I finally started hitting the ball, had two triples in one of the games. And, um, guys were kind of looking around like, okay, who is this guy? <laughs> and it kind of just took off from there. Yeah. For a foreign man with a unique batting stance, like who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, what are your aspirations for the upcoming KBO season? What are the goals for you, for the team? And for, for me personally, I'm going to watch the KBO because it's the one piece of actual baseball I can watch. And I'm going to learn about all the teams. I'm going to, I'm going to, now I know which team I'm going to root for. The root for oh, the yeah. Eagles. I'm an Eagles fan now. So what are your aspirations for the team? What are the goals? And how about your future as a player? And maybe up until you retire and maybe post-retirement, are you even looking that far ahead? Oh, boy. You know, baseball is kind of those things you just kind of take one day at a time. Um, you know, I've kind of geared my mind mentally just one day at a time, especially being over here. Uh, there could be a lot of pressure being, a, you know, a foreign player. You're expected to produce all the time. Um, so that's just, just part of the gig. So you just kind of deal with deal with one day at a time. And, uh, yeah, as our team, I think we're going to be pretty good this year. we got some good pitching. Um, so we got some older guys back. Our shortstop's back. He tore his ACL last year. Um, so that's going to be big for us. Our center fielder's back. Um, so I think we'll be all right. We made the playoffs two years ago. Last year, not so good. So I think now we can regroup a little bit. And uh, I got a feeling we'll have a good chance to get the playoffs. And, and personally, I, I keep it simple. Play hard, have fun. Um, just, just live each day to the fullest. I know it sounds cliche, but uh, that's kind of what's kept me going this long. Um, just play hard and have fun. And just whatever happens, happens. We can all and, use that philosophy right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And just try to stay positive and hopefully I can play this game for a few more years. You know, I figure I'll play until I rip the jersey off my back. And uh, after baseball is all done, I don't know, just go back to Fort Laramie and, and just kind of readjust and go on to the next stage of life. So you just never know. See what see where this world takes me. I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't think in a million years I'd end up over in Korea. So you just never know.
life comes at you fast. So in the last segment, we'll just do a quick lightning round. So I'll just ask you a few shorter questions and you can just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Perfect. Cool. So your favorite baseball player, either past or present? Past was Barry Larkin. I was a big Barry Larkin fan. I used to play shortstop in, in high school and college, actually. So I grew up watching Barry. And, and you're from Ohio, so that makes a lot of sense. Yep, yep. Your favorite baseball moment in your career so far? Probably my first home run in the big leagues. First and only home run in the big leagues. That's probably, probably – that probably tops it all. And you went four for four in that game, if I remember correctly, right? I did. I did. I got called up, uh, I think, the day before. Had a hit or two that game. Then uh, then I had, went four for four in that, uh, the second game when I got called up. So, so that moment kind of lasted a long time. That was a good day. Oh, yeah. Uh, the teammate you learned from the most uh, anywhere at any point you played baseball? Oh, probably Ed Lucas. Um, he's a coach for the Brewers now. He's got a little bit of time with the Marlins. Um, just played with him in AAA in 2015. I had a real bad year. Um, just mentally drained, draining on me. Um, just seeing him go about his business, it was pretty incredible. And just um, – how nothing phased him. Um, you know, nobody probably knows that name, but Ed Lucas had a really big effect on me in a positive way. Now, there there could be a lot of answers here because you played for the Rangers that have a lot of funny guys, and you're playing in the KBO that I assume have a lot of funny guys. A lot of the Korean players here have a great sense of humor. So the funniest teammate you've ever had? Oh, boy, funniest teammate. There's been a lot of them. Um, Gallo's pretty funny. Joey Gallo. Um, you get him rolling. He can he can have some pretty good one-liners. Um, another teammate played with coming up, Chris McGinnis. He was he was a lot of a lot of fun. Michael, uh, there's an old name for some people. Michael was a, he's a hilarious guy. That guy always smiles. Um, so yeah, I've been there's there's so many funny teammates out there. But those those guys are anytime you get to talking to them, they make you laugh. I don't know if you've been watching the MLB The Show Players League at all. It hasn't been advertised really well, but they're starting to broadcast it. And Joey Gallo has been the show on it. He's been amazing, both just playing and just talking. Just talking to him as a treat. I've actually, I've, I've actually clicked on a few links. Uh, I'm not a big video game guy, but I've seen Joey's name pop up, so I click on it. And like I said, Joey's just got some good one-liners. And he's just kind of got a dry humor and uh, just a big funny guy. Big teddy bears. Heck, he's 6'5", 250, but he's a big old teddy bear. Yeah, I can tell. The toughest pitcher you've ever faced in your career? Oh, boy. Toughest pitcher. I know there uh, aren't any easy ones in the pros, but. No, no, no easy ones. Um, Derek Norris, uh, for the he pitched when he pitched, I think he's still with the Tigers. Um, I think he struck me out like four times. Um, he was tough. Left-hander, just throws hard, kind of a sinker. Uh, slider guy he got me a lot um brooks brooks raley um from mm. korea fixed him in korea bunch he's got a little bit of time with i think the angels and the cubs um he signed a minor deal with the reds this year left-hander kind of a low three-quarter slot i think i was one for about 20 over here in korea against him yeah that um, one must have felt nice it did a broken bat flare job over second baseman but it boy it felt good <laughs> The, your favorite ballpark you have ever played in? Favorite one is probably Fenway. Um, for what I, I'll never forget it. I get called up, and um, I get to Fenway, and I walk up in my suit to go find Bannister to say hi to him, our manager, Jeff Bannister. 
say hi to him, tell him I just got off the plane, just got there. And for whatever reason, I walk up the steps and visiting dugout and kind of stand on the top step. And it's just like, you could just feel the history and just the, it was almost like a ghost kind of whistling by you. You could just, you just felt something weird when you, I just looked at it, seen a green monster and just everything about it. So that was, that moment was really kind of surreal. And uh, that's, so that's probably why my, that's my favorite ballpark. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are going to like that answer. I'm a Red Sox fan, so a lot of my listeners are also from the area and are Red Sox fans. And I was actually at uh, the Rangers-Red Sox series uh, where you were there, and I remember you hit a single up the middle to drive in Desmond off Tommy Lane. So I remember that series. So. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Got called up, had a few hits. Um, I think that game, I came in – one of those games I came – I got in late. Um, came in, we're getting beat a few t- – oh, beat by about four runs or come some of the later innings yep. and also go in and take over for somebody in the outfield and I end up getting that bat. And I'm working on about two hours of sleep by the time I'm flying. And I remember sitting in Boston airport and they didn't know if they were going to call me or officially put me on the roster or not. They had to make a corresponding move. So they told me to hang out in the airport. So I'm falling asleep in the airport and they finally tell me to come to the park. And I get there at about six o'clock and didn't think I'd play that night and sure enough I ended up playing and getting a hit in there somewhere and uh yeah I'll never forget that moment holy so, so you flew over to Boston and they and they still didn't know whether or not you should have been in Boston yeah they had to make a corresponding move and they didn't know what move they wanted to make that's tough. So they, told me, they told me yeah I was the shuttle guy I got shuttled around a lot that happened more than once I'd fly somewhere and they told me to hang loose and uh so yeah they just told me to sit there so I'm sitting there in Boston airport not knowing if I got to get back on a flight back to Texas that night again or if I'm actually going to Fenway. So that was quite strange. Interesting. And finally, this is something we ask pretty much all of our guests. Uh, any final words of wisdom for those watching? We have a lot of young people watching, people who are aspiring for careers in sports, either as athletes or otherwise. So any final words of wisdom um, given uh, what you've been through throughout your career throughout your life, uh, the travels you've done, speaking of travels, um, any final words of wisdom for anybody watching or hearing, I guess? Uh, do it because you love it. You know, I never played baseball. You know, everybody wants to get to the major leagues, but I, that was never my goal. I did it because I loved it so much. Um, just growing up as a kid, that's all I want to do is play baseball. And just fortunately, I was in a spot, and God gifted me with a little bit of a talent, and I just worked at it and worked at it. And I, I don't know, I guess – not much words for wisdom, but if you like it, just go do it. Don't let anything hold you back. For sure. Thank you so much, Jared, for being here. I'm going to be watching the KBO. I'm an Eagles fan now, officially. I'm saying it on the mic. I'm going to be watching this every game of the season, really, because I really have nothing else to do. Um, thank you for spending the night with us. Um, have a wonderful season. Stay healthy. Stay positive, as you said. And, yeah, thanks for being here. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, by the way, I hear that uh, the Korea, the KBO and ESPN are talking again about getting some games on ESPN. So I don't know if it'll come through, but um, there's some rumors about ESPN possibly airing some KBO games. So, so that might be something to watch for. So we'll see what happens. That's awesome. And I'm going to find a way to watch anyway, but if it's on ESPN, let, let's go. I'm going to, it'll be a little easier to watch it. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, Jared.